0: PGM Gamecast. I'm Dan. Steve. Mac, Brian. And I'm Tyler. Tonight we have a special guest. What's your name and what's your geek special guest?
1: Hey, I'm Kate, and I guess my special geek is playing with friends.
0: Alright. Tonight we're talking about immersion. Immersion being the concept of the willful suspension of disbelief that everyone who's playing a tabletop RPG wants to achieve. You want to believe that you are actually in the dungeon, or actually in the Wild West City that the game is taking place in. Now, there are some things that you can do to enhance that, and there are some things that you can do that will... Drive it off the rails. ...that will be a detriment to immersion, that's correct. We're gonna discuss some of that stuff today. The reason we're doing immersion is I've, I've pulled my panel members, and this was a recurring issue with them, was their quest for immersion and being able to keep their players in the game, regardless of what's going on on the table or around it. So, I'm going to pass it off to you guys. Any questions about specific immersion that we can discuss at the table here right now? If not, I've got some stuff we can move us along with.
2: I think a big concern about immersion is really just the general idea of keeping players happily having fun and and into the game of what's going on. It's really tough to keep people's attention, because... As much as I don't like to say it, most people who play games have sort of like almost an attention deficit disorder, at least <laughs> that I've noticed. Like, it's just tough to keep some of these people's attention.
0: Now, now, let me ask you this. Do you see the the immersion of the players being solely on the GM? Or do you think it's also Absolutely a part of the not? the responsibility no, it's, for
2: the players? It's totally because uh, when I'm on the opposite side, when I'm playing, I feel like I can command the room just as well as I am as a GM during doing the same thing i feel like i can play the part pull the party members together to play and to get involved and like hey what if i make this thing that is a one-off little thing that the gm might just roll over and make this into a big deal and make it into a role-playing experience it's those little quips those little moments those just like little sweet spots in games that make role-playing fun and what's make makes it feel like you're in the game as opposed to like we go to the next fight we go to the next thing this is what we're supposed to do
0: if we if you're not paying attention you'll miss those little things yeah.
1: i really think on the other side when you said is it response is it the responsibility of the player i definitely think that person needs to be in the environment that that side of it because they're a contributor and there are so few they, i mean eighty percent of the i guess population of players play, but only 20% actually contribute to the game itself. So if you're lucky enough to have that person in your environment when you play the game, it's just a nice spice of life that just doesn't come around all the time.
0: That was one of the uh, the topics on mine, was player buy-in. If you're going to be playing a science fiction or a Wild West or a fantasy campaign, whatever it's going to be, your players around the table have to be bought in so that they are portraying their characters correctly. They're not just making jokes and (laughs) You know, yeah, humor has a place at the game table, yeah. but if it's disruptive or it pulls you away from, pulls you away from the game, it, it's it's not immersive.
1: Absolutely, I like, am as a girl player and and having girl characters, uh, people's conversations could definitely pull me out of the game. I mean, like, it's big distraction.
2: Another thing is is like once you start playing with a bunch of people a lot, they become like you become pretty good friends and small talk, inside jokes, just so much like just banter between each other just becomes common, you know?
0: And then out comes the cell phone. I think it, a lot yeah. of those are the
3: opposite of player immersion, yeah.
0: Those those are all immersion destroyers. Yeah.
3: The cell phone is the
2: big one. The cell one. phone is a huge yeah. one. Yeah.
0: The laptop, the iPad, the tablet computer, those things are all... Immersion breaking. Unless, of course, you happen to be playing some sort of a futuristic Shadowrun sci-fi something or other where you can actually implement them in the game.
2: And, and almost, but like anything, almost anything, a pencil can become a distraction.
0: If someone is tapping on the table. Yeah, or, or anything. a tense you, moment.
2: You know, like miniatures are another thing where it's like, you can use the miniatures to enhance the game, but they can also become a huge distraction.
0: How about the guy that just takes this huge pile of dice and just stacks them up? Oh, and, and then and then knocks them all down. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what. Or happens. the guy who
2: just takes his dice and rolls them over and over and over. and you know, like what are you rolling for over there, buddy? Uh, nothing.
4: I'm just bored. You can't yeah, figure out that the D four is supposed to go on top and <laughs> tries to stack it in there somehow. So,
0: <laughs> on on the side of the player, zero distractions. Minimize the distractions as. Effectively as you can.
2: The player has to if want it, though, too.
0: That's the player buy in. Yeah. The player buy in, the player has to be tuned in and ready to play.
3: I think a major problem for some GMs is that you don't always get to pick a playgroup. group. Absolutely. Yeah. I was yeah. Kind of thinking that, Somebody's yeah. going to have a friend over, or it's going to be people who live at that house, or. Right. and. In that case, it is sort of your responsibility to try to at least teach them how to buy
1: in. Yeah, you have to integrate somebody into that society because if they're new to it, they're not actually going to know what is a hit or what is a miss. But so. it,
0: I would say that it also falls some on the responsibility of the other players around the table to show them the new player, yeah, the, the outsider. It's not it how maybe to, how to be immersive.
4: Maybe
2: it's not so much new to players. Like it could be new players, but also it could be even just new to a play group. Yeah, is like totally different because if you jump in on a play group that you've never played before, or have some, even just having one new player and a group of people that you've been playing with a while, like it
5: can throw Completely the whole thing changes off. Changes the dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Every I like that. Is that
1: f- is that phrase coined? Play what? group play group yeah. i guess yeah. i don't We've know into yeah. a new play group. i like before. that
5: i think one thing i like to do when uh, new players or people that are still learning or trying to get into the game is whenever they do something that just is incorrect or that's just wrong that you're not really supposed to do i'll let them do it i'll just cheese it and let them do it and be like okay i'll let you do it this time but in a little bit i'm going to explain to you why that was wrong and as why a girl you messed up.
1: i am a successful culprit of playing dumb because, <laughs> yes, yes, you can laugh at that all you want. But playing dumb is one of the best advantages in any game that you're learning how to play. Because before you know it, someone's taught you all the rules. And it, it, some people aren't patient teachers. But when you play dumb, you can force the other people around you to kind of, again, integrate you into that environment. And tell you things that you might not know on your own. And playing dumb has been one of my greatest assets in any kind of new game. I mean, you can go from an hour of learning... To an hour of kicking it
0: Now, as long as you don't have a tyrant GM, that's fine. If your GM sitting around the table is going to punish everyone, particularly the new player who didn't know that you couldn't speak to the royalty in this area that way. and Or all of a sudden if there's a
2: role involved or something. All of a sudden they're yeah.
0: locked in the brig or, you know... Anything like that, that's the job of the GM, to make sure to be able to integrate the new players. But I think that's a topic for a different day. That's yeah. Yeah. GM archetypes, that's, there's a lot of them out there. The
3: mechanics and education discussions are definitely immersion breakers, and it's probably something that, as a GM, you should handle before you're trying to actually immerse th- someone th- into a story. Do you writing. think
2: everyone, though, are you expected? To have players to show up knowing the same amount of rules Not as everyone else. Not necessarily. I think you could it, be Max right. It's it's an immersion breaker. It totally is. When you got to stop everything, and, like open the book, flip to a hundred different pages, figure out exactly what you're trying to figure out what you're doing in the game by opening up three different books, trying to find a look in the index. Try, it, it that alone takes away so much because you could be like have so much steam like building up, going, going, going. Like everything's really fun, and then as soon as you crack open that book. It's like dead weight. <laughs> so yeah, doesn't but, the burden well, of, the,
4: doesn't the burden then fall on the GM to make sure that stuff is kind of taken care of before the game starts in order to, but you can, avoid never, those be you can oh. never be prepared. You can never be one hundred percent prepared exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you just kind of have to um, maybe. Simplified the campaign almost a little bit more than you would want to. So to
3: create so. the exact scenario, let's say you've let's take out player lack of knowledge. Right. Let's say you've got an ex, uh, uh, an experienced play group that's delved into a storyline; they're all immersed, and a rules question comes up. Because you're sticking to your mechanics, like there's, it's definitely an option, and maybe this is one of the answers to this question, questions that you could fudge things for a while in order to keep the immersion. I do but that. What time. do you do when somebody thinks yeah. they need to crack the book?
0: I was going to add that into my GM tips. Oh yeah. Um. You have to be confident in the GM. It's best if you know the system you're playing. It's almost like what she's saying, like
2: like playing dumb. But like if you do the opposite of like sound like you're smart or like you know what you sound like, you know what you're doing. Especially the GM players will buy it nine out of ten times. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Being confident in your ability to GM and tell a good story, your players need to trust you enough to allow that to go on. If it's not uh, character death or dire situations hanging in the balance, I'm not cracking the book at the table.
2: Yeah. It's a no. fifteen hundred page Pathfinder book. Who in their right mind has read all of it and read, well, not read all of it, but like memorized every minute rule? You know, if something like little comes up and the DM is just like, like, oh, you're drowning because of this, make this kind of roll because it makes sense. People will just pass it along, you know? like, and it doesn't break the immersion.
0: Also, if I have to, if I have to crack the book to hunt something down because it's of extreme importance, it's break time. Go yeah. to the restroom, get, get, a, get a cigarette, a drink, just go smoke. Whatever you're gonna do. And when we come back, we'll resume from where we're at.
1: Right. And it definitely invites people to the table because there are new people who come in. And if you want them to stick around, they better know how to play.
0: I've got one other thing. We've discussed humor. I've got two other things, actually. (laughs) One is be in character. As a player, when you're supposed to be in character, be in character. That's not so easy, though. It's not so easy. and that's Why isn't it easy? It's 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 not so easy because of everything that's going on around you. While your character may be... Your character that you are portraying is living this life and is there every day. Tonight, when he goes to sleep in the dungeon, tomorrow he will wake up in the dungeon. For the player, it's a different reality. Tonight, when my character goes to sleep in the dungeon, tomorrow I'm going to get up and go to work. Next week, I'm going to go live my life and go through my normal daily routines for a week before we play again. And then when I come back, it's going to be as if we had just woke up in the oh, dungeon. Oh yeah, what happened
2: last week? Yeah, yeah, like, we're going yeah.
0: to have Whereas the character just went to sleep and five hours later woke up, You've spent a day of your, a week of your life going through normal routines and whatnot. So it's easy, it's easy to lose focus of your character's perception while inside the game. Also, you're also sitting around a table with a group of friends. When somebody makes a stupid decision or when somebody rolls terribly in any given situation, it's real easy to get loud and raucous and... Start a conversation about what just happened at the table, yeah, and as then opposed that to what's going on in the game. And there you go, immersion breaker. I, I, and that's what I mean by staying in character.
2: I have another kind of just like as we as we're sort of defining what player immersion is and how many different aspects of there are and what yeah. kind of things to be. It's I too just, big for us. It, we I, won't get it. No, but <laughs> I, what as as a, the people here who have DM'd before. What are some of the things that you guys have done to, to help combat that? Because
0: right, I before we go there, I've got one last thing for the players. Sure. Sure. And then we'll move on to the GMs. Mac, look like you were about to say something.
3: Also on the on the lengths of uh, on players and back to GMs not being able to pick their parties necessarily. We talked when we spoke about different mediums that uh, movies and TV shows were sometimes a shortcut for for people with uh, a bad or a weak mind's eye
0: or a lack of experience in this type of. Right, a scenario. The somebody, whole thing is inside somebody your mind. Read eye. a lot. We're yeah. gonna play a steampunk game. What's that? Exactly. <laughs> Go watch Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. Yep, perfect example. Yeah. Okay. Now you have an idea of what steampunk looks like.
3: But uh, somebody without a mind's eye is n- inherently not going to be immersed. Like the, they're they're they're, c- still they're going to continue the to <laughs> they're going to continue to stare at their dice and their character page and. It's
2: horrible for a GM too to look at that player and tell that they're bored. Uh, you, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I hate yeah. that feeling, like when you know that they're bored. You're stand-up
0: sh- comedian looking at a dead crowd.
5: Exactly. Yeah. Now, one thing that I mean, I, I kind of want to say is that whenever you have somebody who it has trouble with like visualizing and you know getting into it, just tell them to look at their character sheet and do stuff from it. Like, look <laughs> at, I mean, seriously, Wing it's it. as simple as that. Look, like, look at your ability scores. Look at your character sheet. And utilize it. You have it's diplomacy. Just, yeah, that
3: means right. you talk
5: to people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. go yeah. talk. Literally, to like yeah, because whenever you think of a character, like you're saying, it's mostly like, oh, I have a sword. Well, what am I going to do with a sword? Yeah, you know, but if you look at like all the skills f- that you have, you always
1: have to separate the character from the fir- from the person because there there are nine different types of like ways of visualizing things. Some people need it like. A drawn out some people need numbers and algorithms some people use words some people are existentialists so they take all these pieces in some people to get into their creative mindset need a lot of different tools and just knowing that person personally kind of helps you gear them back into the game and how, what their style is. Everybody's got their own personal style that they're going to bring.
0: Right, right.
5: I think sometimes people forget to just look at their character sheets, though. And, and, and visualize yeah. the character
0: oh, and what I they would do. Just in that remember, scene. yeah. That comes that. back to just be in character. Yeah. Figure out what in character means for you and your character. If that means that you're talking about your character in third person, that's fine. If that's the accepted nomenclature for the game, then that's fine. If that means that you're constantly in character, the guy who wants to talk about his character in the third person that may be off-putting so but you've got to work with the group dynamic can and i figure ask out- you guys
1: a question since you guys are all a panel um what's some of your best moments as a character being totally immersed in the game
2: you see like some of the best times when you do are like that is when you're excited about your character right and just, that's another thing I was going to say while we were on players is getting the player excited about who they are, the best moments come out of, oh my gosh, I want to do this so badly with my guy, I don't care what's going on, I'm going to change the story the GM has made just so my character can shine, you know?
4: Any moment where you feel like your absence will have made a difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's there. perfect,
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's define what from the game master point of view you can do for immersion, and then we'll tell our stories using those as examples to draw on so that I think you'll have a better understanding of what immersion good idea. for right. a good That'd player be a story total is. a treat.
1: Thank you. Okay. Yeah.
0: So the, the last thing that I have for the player end of immersion is the metagame. The metagame Yeah <laughs> The Metagame That's
2: probably the biggest blaring one that is you just
0: the nuclear missile. We're all we're all a fault at a of it table. though, you know. To some degree you almost have to be in some games. It depends. If you're playing a board game, everything's metagame. Absolutely. But we're talking about tabletop role playing games in this situation where you're supposed to stay in character. Now if you're staying in character, you're not metagaming. But the metagame, it's easy to say, I'm in a different room doing my thing. Johnny, you're over here trying to pick this lock or trying to sneak up on this guard while Jimmy's in this room just watching the door. Suddenly well,
3: Jimmy's trying to look for a key because he knows Johnny can't get through. Because he's trying yeah, to lock. a yeah, lock.
0: Exactly. Or suddenly Jimmy's trying to give Johnny advice on how to fight this guy in another room over. That's a little distracting. My
2: my thing is about that is the reason where I think the core idea that comes from is it's hard to, especially when you're playing a game where there's statistics and dice... It's hard not to say, I want to be winning.
0: It's, <laughs> it's, it's also hard not to, if you happen to know statistics yeah. and dice better than the guy who's actively using them. Or
2: running the game. It's tough, <laughs>
0: it's tough for you to say, hey, maybe you should try this. Yeah. Um, a word on meta, metagaming. The word meta means above or with, from without. You're
4: playing God
0: not necessarily you're just you've removed yourself from the immediate reality of whatever it is you're trying to do it's like you're your
4: character would never know this You're like, looking at it yeah. from a different perspective now well it's like it is kind of like that like third uh, third person omniscient
0: way of right. storytelling you
1: i know, have been ubiquitous in... oh that's troublesome <laughs> i have i
3: have been in session one of a campaign where it was going to be a vampire centric campaign and i needed to introduce vampires I had to, it was in the Pathfinder system. I had to scale them down so that level 1 characters could not just be completely defeated by them. But some of my players knew what Pathfinder vampires, which are <laughs> challenge-rating whatever, do, and were metagaming it. <laughs>
0: and that is the metagame yeah. distraction. How do you kill a
3: vampire? Stick through your <laughs> heart?
2: Yeah.
0: That's the metagame distraction <laughs> from the player's perspective. Don't tell your co-players what, you're, what they should be doing when you're not there or whatever's going on. No GM wants to say, you're not there all the time. That's, that's horrible.
2: Yeah, it's, you don't want to be the nagging mother yeah. of the game. <laughs> I, also, I gave the easy hey, answer of they like do whatever they I
3: say they do.
0: Exactly. That's the That's the key. You are the GM. And if you want to tweak a monster's stats or change their abilities or give them new stuff that the players who know the book possibly don't agree with, or maybe not even necessarily agree with, but they didn't know that would happen... They were metagaming, that's why they got angry about it in the first place.
4: Do you know why you can do that? Is because vampires don't exist. Yeah. They don't exist.
2: <laughs>
0: you can do whatever whatever you want. You can come up with rules for anything. I think we've discussed this just being glorified make-believe and shouldn't yeah. take it too seriously. I
5: think one thing that I, I just sort of remembered is, and I think Brian told me once that he got the idea from you, Dan, that probably did. there's, a, <laughs> there's a, a style of... Uh, <laughs> game mastering where or character role-playing where whatever you know in real life, your character knows.
0: We had discussed this before. Did you talk about that? Yes, we had discussed this before. It's a cool idea. Where (laughs) you, you embrace that aspect of metagaming and allow your characters... You, you have to have player buy-in for that type of a situation. Yeah. Yeah. Your
2: player buy-in is you in that...
0: But your player buy-in also has to be everybody else at the table. If you've got the, the quintessential role player who wants to play his character to the T, exactly what he would know and where he's going to be, he's not going to have fun in a game like that.
3: I have a lot of trouble as a player trying to be that sort of person. I can't play a character dumber than I am.
0: understand I can. <laughs> as you said so earlier. <laughs> yes. Quick and, word on meta. The... Um, the reason I brought that up, there's an article. Uh, what is the opposite of meta? Is the name of the article, hmm. and there is no real term uh, for the opposite of meta, meaning being in the moment or going into something and looking deeper. There is no real term for that. A guy named Joel, Joe Cheel, he is a scientist of neuro linguistic psychology. And well, uh, what? Neuro linguistic psychology. <laughs> that sounds delicious. And he discussed um, <laughs> in an in an essay. If you, if, you want to, if you want to read more in depth in this, check it out on Wikipedia or go to what is the opposite of meta. Hit it in Google. You'll how, about,
1: how about your local library?
0: A local library <laughs> <I> work, too. <laughs> the, the realization that he made was that there was no term specifically for this and that if you keep going too far, the term that he coined for it was MESA, M-E-S-A. And if you go too far in the MESA direction, you're actually going meta again. So it's a. This is so
4: meta, it's meta. Exactly. Yeah. This is so not <laughs> yeah, meta that it, it's meta. Yeah.
0: So the reason I say that is because metagaming and player immersion and being in character is such a balancing act between not wanting to metagame, trying to play your character, that the players actually have a real job ahead of them if they're going to do it effectively. It's possible for you to metagame by not specifically trying to metagame. If you know something about a specific situation, it may if you know that there's a guy on the le- there's a monster on the left because one of your party members who'd strayed ahead of you found it. you may specifically not go left because you don't want to be accused of metagaming and in doing so you're metagaming
4: yeah, <clears throat> it's got that kind of silent um telekinesis between party members the thing is, yes. is also if
2: you get if you get
4: players though as we're still on as we're
2: still on play. here if you have a group of players who plays so meta all the time and that's just kind of just
0: becomes the, the game if you're having fun oh, it know. is what it is that's if you're what in fun like, you win that's all
2: there is to it steve yeah i don't know if you can maybe attest or account to this i think our play group
5: specifically is very meta oh yeah like it's but i don't care because i mean every it, gm's is every gm's different you know
2: yeah it's it's really fun i'm yeah. not saying it's yeah. not fun i'm just saying our specific play group is extremely meta like like when it's like, Oh, send a guy forward to tell us what it is, you know, like and then it's when just it like becomes, oh I instantly know what it is because that guy went forward. When
0: it becomes a part of the play experience and if everyone is in, if everyone is metagaming, that's player buy in. You're playing the game, you're still following the advice that we're giving here. Right. If everyone is on the same page and playing the same game and everyone's having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah. That's all
1: part of the challenge of winning.
0: I do not do not suppose I, I that I'm the greatest GM ever. I think I'm a really good one. I disagree. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm a really good one. However, I don't know everything. We started this project because I want to meet people and learn new things. I'm hoping to learn just as much from you guys at the table and the people in the forums and anyone that contacts us and is a part of this as I know now. I'd love to learn just as much gonna as I We're going to have the ultimate d d group at the end. Hey, man, this guy yeah, made maybe. second edition playable. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely did. <laughs>
4: The, eh. <laughs> it, it took a binder
0: full of notes and Oh, I, I copied the whole thing. <laughs> that, are actually, that binder is actually bigger than both the player's handbook and the GM manual combined. combined. Oh, yeah. So, I think we've pretty well covered the player aspect. Now I want to move to the GM side of the screen.
3: Tips and tricks. Exactly.
0: This is what hey, I want to talk about because I, I definitely would like some tips. Because I'm going to been... start us off with the best tip that I can give you is preparation.
2: You really think that works? I really Sometimes think that works. Does,
0: it, it, I want to hear what you had to say. Lazy GMs say it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me, Dan? <laughs> You're right across from me. Ryan. don't take it personal. Preparation speeds up everything else. I've, I've, I've given it four topics. I've given it four bullet points for maximizing player immersion. And preparation is the first one. Because without this one, you can't have any of the rest. You prepare your game, you learn your system, you prepare quick note cards or a GM screen or something that's going to have the shorthand of the rules that you might encounter. Now, I don't want you to put the whole rule book in front of you on your GM screen, but you could have the grappling rules in case somebody gets in a headlock.
5: I've done it. I've had to do it for di- a couple different games. Definitely really make, make my own... Oh, not that. Make your own GM <laughs> screen? Make my own GM screen, but it's just basically a little piece of
0: paper in my notebook that yeah. I wrote down all the stuff yeah. on. That is it. That is... That's number one, as far as the system is concerned. Now, as far as your game is concerned, preparation for your game. Prepare your battles ahead of time. Know what they're going to fight. Get the stats out so you don't have to open up a monster manual or a stat guide or something the minute a battle starts, because every time you open a book, you're breaking immersion. So get everything you need in front of you so that you look like you don't have to open a book at all, even though you've already opened the books before the session and got all the information you need for this campaign that you're running right now come to the table with a piece of paper and that's it a piece of paper you could you could do it with a piece of paper i use a gm yeah. screen not necessarily to hide my rolls but to hide my notes i keep lots yeah. of notes and usually the gm screens for whatever system
1: sounds a little bit like playing dumb
0: it, it really kind of does <laughs> or faking it well it's all about faking it well just but kidding. the other thing
2: the other thing is just like with gm screens too most of the really well-made GM screens they they also has of most of the things that you would write down on it already. Absolutely. So look for
0: look for a good GM screen for whatever system. I know Pasio
2: makes a great one.
0: Or look for the tables and stuff in your book in your rule books that you can copy and then just put with a piece of Scotch tape on your GM screen. You can always flip it up and look what's actually. Or make actually
2: your own with manila, like an envelope or something like
5: that. <laughs> vanilla, with a vanilla, 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 vanilla envelope, vanilla envelope, dreadlocks and it's yeah. cool. hanging from it.
0: Vanilla Manila lope. <laughs> Clearly you were not prepared to say that. Yeah. You are not prepared.
1: Where were your notes?
0: Yeah. I didn't have any, remember? Dan told me I'm not prepared. <laughs> prepare your environment. Prepare your environment that the PCs are gonna be active in. And also that includes like
2: making your world the more you prepare, the whether more you're... your world is designed like luscious, the more
0: whether you are meat
2: there is to it.
0: Right. Whether you are playing someone else's intellectual property. Or in a world of your own, learn the world, at least the very close-by surroundings of where your characters are going to be playing. Know what the next town is. And that's when it gets
1: really cool, too.
0: When you can describe the gatehouse at the end of the palace without having to think about it, because you've already covered that. You know exactly what's going to happen.
1: And you're excited about it.
0: You don't have to open a book. You don't have to look at a picture. You don't have to do anything. You just describe it because you've already covered it. Also with your environment you have to portray your environment as if it were alive and vibrant without the PCs there. That's if, pretty tough sometimes. It is tough but you can do it with a few simple things. You your your party wants to go to the to the inn and order a mead. When they walk in
2: do you have everything written down like the bartender's name is
0: this? I have the, a, the, I personally have a page just full of names because someone always wants to know the barkeep's name or the homeless guy they <laughs> met on the yeah, board. Hey man, is I'm cool. that guy.
1: You're entitled to some improv. Somebody
0: always wants to know that. Bar-keeps I'm terrible. Always have the
1: best names, man.
0: If if I don't if I didn't have that piece of paper everybody Jack would be named like Larry, <laughs> Earl, Frankie, you know, that's Everyone's name names. is Steve <laughs> or Dan. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. John Johnson. Daddy, Bob, His Bob.
2: name is Steve, Dan, or Tyler. Barbie? <laughs> that's an breaker
4: right there if you got a bunch of bartenders, name bartender Bob. bobs running yeah. around. Right.
1: There's a lot of male bartenders in this game.
0: Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Mix it up.
0: So, your PCs walk into an establishment. Uh, the example I heard one time, which was fantastic, I cannot remember the source. If I can, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, the PCs walk into a weapon shop. And when they walk through the door, there's an old woman who's talking to little Johnny who's sweeping up glass, and there's a baseball on the floor. Now, that happened while you weren't around. She's telling little Johnny, you're going to have to get that cleaned up, and you're going to have to do some work around the shop to make sure that you can fix this window. That happened while you weren't there. That was something that happened whether the PCs were going to be there or not. But that little bit of information... Now maybe next week when you come back through this town, maybe the window's fixed and you know little Johnny's off the hook. So that little tiny bit of information that you put in when describing walking into a building, walking down a street and seeing a homeless dog pulling pulling a, a dead rabbit down around the corner. And then later on, three Jeez. weeks later, you find you find same dog. Getting morbid. You find the same dog laying dead in the street across from the Yeah, inn. but
1: this is character immersion. Somebody who remembers these little details invites everybody back into the game a little further.
0: Right. So that's how you <clears throat> by building your environment and making it exist without the PCs there, rather than when they walk in the town, it springs up from the ground like a pop up book. Make it exist without That Sounds without awesome.
4: Down. And these events
0: aren't, you know, they're you need the pop up book.
4: I want my monster manuals to Our, pop up <laughs>
0: opening credits for Game of Thrones. I'm running. Oh, a, totally! I'm now running a pop-up adventure. <laughs> we'll have it ready in a couple of weeks. Also, with building your environment is part of your NPCs, making sure you have realistic and vibrant non-player characters. The people I that love doing that that tends to be either really easy for
2: GMs or really, really hard. I know players in my games will remember like, oh remember that guy who was the BART or like the guy who worked at the weapon shop. Remember that like Lich who was our lawyer or like that, remember In my that?
4: experience, those people are always jerks in your campaign. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
0: they're rememberable. <laughs> That's a check in the W column there. Yeah, exactly. You if remember those guys. If your PCs Specifically, go back to a town because you know Greedor, the priest, was a cool guy, and he had a f- made made Brian's ha- talk with a funny voice. That's a win. Or he was a total. J- and you would go to like kick his butt. <laughs> that's that's a win. You've 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 accomplished something. You've created a vibrant entity inside your game that your that your players can interact with.
4: And they're thinking about it when they go to sleep at night. They're like, I
0: hate that. Thank goodness for that
1: player immersion, or right. else yeah. they wouldn't come back to kick some.
0: Exactly. Right. Now the last thing that I have on the list. And this comes with all of these things put together. It facilitates pacing. The GM is the arbiter of the rules, but he's also the pace car. He also drives the game mechanically and through the story to wherever it's going to go. The PCs may steer it, but the GM's the engine that keeps the car moving. You have to keep moving forward, if Immersion breakers surface. It's now the GM's job to stop them. Like reconnect. And keep moving. If if a cell phone rings and somebody has to get get up from the table. Break. A break, it depends. If you're at a super tense moment that you've been... This is the crescendo of your night. This is the crescendo of your game. Somebody gets up from the table. We are not moving. We've got to keep trucking on. So I'm going to have to find a way, either by pacing and just keep going and acting like they're not there, which is usually my M.O., just act like they're not there. They, yeah, I they get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Either by doing it that way or allowing the other PCs to play that character if that character's player is okay with that.
3: In a hunter campaign I'm in, uh, I've mentioned several times, uh, just last week one of our players couldn't attend, so there was the major question of what is happening to the character right now. And it was a combination of she had the flu and we took a page out of out of real world because it's a contemporary campaign and she's a bit of a computer nerd the character is i mean we just said that Diablo 3 was out so she was <laughs> she wasn't going to be around she wasn't going to be available the monsters to be killed yeah the innocence at risk but Diablo got 3 i got to do i got priorities yeah
2: <laughs> that's awesome actually yeah.
1: yeah where else would you be would you, you be guys? saving the world or playing Diablo 3
3: saving the world in Diablo 3 yeah obviously
0: any of you guys got any gm tips anything i didn't cover
3: I've actually heard before, and I think this is actually one of your ideas. I was starting up a new campaign. Very well, maybe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Taking all the credit <laughs> over, over here, Mr. Moneybag. I say I think How's this is you? your idea, but I only do that because I'm going to act like it's my idea for the next five minutes.
0: It was totally your idea. I uh, already know what you're going to say.
3: Was to
0: do... Uh, I went back in time and re-edited <laughs> this. Oh, we just told told metagaming. Oh. Yeah, you're metagaming yes, the podcast. No metacasting. All right, in I'm order sorry, to get man. my players to
3: buy in to the setting that I was about to introduce them to in the first session, I set the table.
0: Props. Aww.
3: Props. Oh, that's so
1: cute. Candlelight. Regular entertainer. Uh, we what? had
3: everybody get a little. After the, we'd done player creation in the previous session, I had them go on the internet and find the picture of their character. I find a, anything you want, whatever you think your character looks like. Get me a visual. Frame it up. We'll have this set up so that you can. Uh, hold it up when you're speaking like your character when you're in character and set it back down when you're not so that worked out pretty well it made a pretty big mess but uh, worked <laughs> out pretty well
0: the to take that a little bit further with props and whatnot I do believe something else that I suggested to you was you were playing on uh what what time frame was this Victorian age yeah okay I said grab some parchment paper and print the character sheets up on parchment paper it's a good idea too yeah, there was there was one uh, another that went in with the rest of it actually yeah Another situation that can help immerse the players is if you use a GM screen, putting some period art on the other side of the GM screen for the PCs to look at, rather than whatever graphics were put there by the manufacturer, also could get you there. Also could give it just that little bit more...
1: Evidence that you really are that character. Right,
0: exactly. Wow. So and is it you're a no-no seeing...
4: to use like a... Like a um, a screen portraying the Underdark
0: and then you're doing like a Victorian age or steampunk campaign? I, I personally, I personally, if it's not a pickup game and I have time to prepare, I'm putting something on the other side of that Yeah, game. I
3: feel like it's at least a lost opportunity.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good <laughs> point. <laughs> Maybe if you can commission like a Baroque version of the Underdark, that'd
4: funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That would be
5: sweet. I do have some, we're talking about GM things that I've
2: experienced recently. Steve, I'm playing in a game he's doing, he's, do, he's done something really cool that has really... Pulled me in as a player. He's gotten these big squared paper that's like big giant sticky notes. They're like cut into exact squares for D and D. Like he okay. found something really cool, and he's drawn all the maps on them. Okay, all of his maps for all of his encounters have been drawn out on these big like pieces of sticky paper. Basically. I have
0: uh, the the Chessex battle mat.
2: Yeah, they're essentially that, but you can draw on them. Not but-
1: to pull you guys away from the you know, immersion of being in the game, but a lot of great ideas I have. Um, they can come from, I, I guess I'm middle-aged, I guess, so I meet a lot of moms and when they have pirate parties for their kids and they throw out invitations, they'll print out on, like, brown paper bags the map on how to get to the house and they'll use all the pirate language and it's like, you know, it's not where I thought I would get character immersion from.
0: Oh, but it, it totally works. Oh, but totally, it yeah.
1: totally comes into play, and these kids love it, and, you know, it's just one more tool of we're the trade. We're all just
0: giant. we're all yeah. big kids. Like exactly. it, We're yeah. playing make-believe. Thank you, Mom. Yeah.
4: Who doesn't love that campiness? It's yeah. so campy, it's so cute. You
2: think if we were playing, like, a pirate campaign, and you guys came over, and I put up a big pirate flag, and I gave you all rum, you would all
0: be immersed in it more? <laughs> oh, <than> yeah. I would expect pirate metal, yeah. And eventually, you're going to be immersed badges. in something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now you can a lot, of, a lot of games. You might play a beer and pretzels game. You've heard the term, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's a lighthearted game. Whatever. Zombie dice. What if you did? <laughs> yeah. What if you did a Read <laughs> on
2: carpet gym, not hit.
0: <laughs> what if you did a period meal? You're playing fantasy game. You all of a sudden got roasted turkey legs and legs and mutton stew. But that's if hey, if some of us might might appreciate that. I'm a pretty large man. I'm I'm down.
5: You know, it's funny because I actually a couple of days ago saw a Game of Thrones cookbook. Oh, I yeah, saw, that, I saw too.
2: that too. Yeah. There it is. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Which I, I thumbed through it real quick and it all looked like that Will outrageous. Absolutely...
0: All right. So, Tyler, you are not a GM. What no. can a GM do way to, for way you? to help me there. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> get, get Wait, what? You don't Sorry belong. About that. You're not one of us. It's just it's just our little secret. No one else will know. Well, right. not anymore. <laughs> yeah. guess it's yeah, not it's so on secret yeah, anymore. It's on the internet, right? You as a player, uh, what can the GM do for you to immerse you? in your character or in the setting that we haven't already covered. If we've already covered it, that's fine.
4: Okay. I don't know. I think every single character wants to be um, their own individual snowflake. I think that's what everyone's always going for. So it's it's all about just basically feeling different, like – a lot of times, two people pay, play um, the same class. Like, it's a new class that's been released in that system. And how do you feel different from the, other, know, barbarian, yeah. the other barbarian? This sounds other like soldier. a newbie
1: tip. Like, sh- everybody's original when they first start out. But I see not true. No- I <laughs> like somebody- not true. No. Now, hold oh, on. I-, I see where I he's coming
0: from here. What he wants as a player is to feel like he is actually being productive in the group. If his player is sitting on the sidelines the entire time, he's playing the battle raging barbarian and all you're doing is walking through town talking to homeless kids. His character isn't <laughs> immersed. His, his his the player's What? Are you kidding? That's the, like the that the, sounds great. Sounds player, like RoboCop 3. The player never gets to do what he was designed to do. Therefore, all he's doing is sitting on the sidelines during any political talk or any diplomacy checks or anything like this because the barbarian's not going to roll that i'm sorry so he wants now his hobo quest so for immersion for for tyler here it means activity which i think comes kind of goes back to pacing making sure that everybody is staying focused and doing something at all times and for me the pacing and the organization and the preparation and everything all can be broken down by two things one having to open the book two having to split the party and oh, myself and two other guys go into another room. Well, meanwhile the other two people that are sitting at the table are either throwing Cheetos at each other <laughs> or just rolling dice or they've pulled out the iPads and they're playing WoW.
3: Splitting the party is a big deal for this because splitting the party is tough. I was at, I was in a session tonight in which the party was split up, somebody was undercover somewhere, the rest of us were back up. But we were actively trying we were seriously sitting at the table Having a side conversation, and at one point, one of my uh, co-players was going la 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 la, trying yeah. not to hear what the G- what the GM and the uh, uh, relevant player were speaking about. I know that you've used notes before. I have, I have. including decoy notes, if I'm correct. Yeah, like sending players send notes.
0: everybody notes. Yeah, we use notes. I mean, if you're playing a technological based campaign, you
1: guys to bring
0: this up, you can you can send people text messages and whatnot, as long as the tech has a place in the game. If you're not, send people notes. But the thing is if you're constantly sending Steve notes, everyone's gonna be suspicious of Steve if something goes wrong. <laughs> but you have to send everybody notes from time to time. That's the meta That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. meta gaming. Yes. No, that's good though meta because and the book.
5: I used to play in a group that where the DM would always take like one person aside and tell them quietly what they had seen, what they knew. And I thought that, that I thought that was great because once they got back into the room everybody was like, wait a minute. Right. What does he know that we don't? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. Right. See, I'm a good secret really cool.
1: keeper. I, now, I don't share very well. And- now,
0: I have used, I've used that concept before the game. I knew that I wanted somebody to do something, and I'd say something ahead of time. But you got to be careful with that type of thing, because if the person you're talking to is a, is a player in your game, you're ruining the immersion for them just by telling them what they need to do. So the best thing... To, no, I'm not going to say the best thing. The best thing that has worked for me... <clears throat> Has been note passing that type of a mechanic around the table. I might send Tyler a note that says "smile and nod knowingly." Now everyone else at the table, if they haven't received a note like they that, crazy. they think uh-huh. they 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 may think that when the dagger hits them in the back, it's going to be Tyler.
3: Except it's totally Tyler.
0: Okay. It's Tyler. So uh, any any other any other GM tips? I was going to say it's fresh in my mind because I just saw it, but uh,
2: there's a couple. Things that really just got my brain working. A thing about player immersion that could really be great is make sure everyone's character gets the spotlight.
0: Oh yeah, time. that's what I was talking about. For make sure you're splitting it up and sharing the love with all they the got, players, so yeah, that everybody's doing gotta something. You gotta feel
2: like like the story's about them specifically each time. And it's tough to do with having that many players. You know, if you got four or five players, it's gonna be tough for them to get feel like they're part of the main story or part of the main drag or what's going on because there's always going to be that one guy who's the cleric and he's in the backseat and it's like oh we don't need any healing right now so so he's just sitting there he's yeah. the heal bot that was... has no other skills exactly but there are ways you can do it I just I'm thinking about because I just saw but I just saw the Avengers and there's a really good way of showing how even the little minor characters in them, each one of them feel like a really well-designed character that have their spotlights all the time and they're never down and drabby at
0: all and you can really do that in games, you know? like it's, With
1: a good GM.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even with a bad GM, players can facilitate a lot of this stuff, too. True. Players can teach the GM how they want to play
2: mm-hmm. from
0: playing a game. GM may come to the table with the with an expectation of how things are going to happen, and the players may completely shatter that. But that's not
3: always a bad thing, either.
0: No, it's not. If that's the way the group wants to play, then that's the way we're going to do it.
3: Group storytelling experience. And
0: that's then going correct. back to the... Um, to. To the inevitable uh,
4: split up, say two members of the party go here, two members of the party go elsewhere. Somebody um, always
0: wants to split. The yeah, party. You, you always wants to split Scooby up. The Scooby Doo thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fred always goes with
4: Daphne. Happen in the woods. I'm gonna leave that we should one. should split going. up. Really? Uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> but, this is a um, terrible idea. So, do you think, Dan? Do you think it's wise to um, to kind of if there need be side stories to corral those kind of side stories? And make them uh, a little bit abbreviated so you're not sitting there role-playing with somebody, you know, like one or two players for like half an hour. And then That's a great sudden.
0: question. What I, the, the way I tend to try to handle that is by doing it away from the game table with my preparation, or I'll send somebody emails, or I'll send somebody, like you were saying, send somebody a letter. If someone has, if you're playing in Victorian era where England, you find a fancy font You put it on some parchment. You send somebody a letter with a wax seal telling them a piece of their backstory or introducing themselves to a a non-player character, their sister, who's been gone for eight years or something along these lines. Even outside of the game table, you can be immersive, and you can do that without distracting the people at the game table in the moment. In the moment is all you have when you're sitting down and playing the game. Don't break it. If it's if it's going well,
1: yeah, do what you have to do. But you know, it's, it's definitely definitely hard. more fun.
2: Another thing I've found in the same thing, where having side stories and stuff like that, if your player is really wanting to get involved in their character and stuff like that, they'll meet up with you an hour before the session. Oh, and, absolutely. We'll and, and we'll meet do, next Wednesday yeah, and go through the backstory. We'll about do it. This we'll do it together, just me and you. So we're not doing it during game time on Tuesday. You know.
0: Anything else?
1: Can it be story time? That's where I'm, I'm trying so get to get to. Excited! I've been waiting for this.
0: I'm going to start us off with a real easy one. Okay. When I was younger, we were playing, I think we were still playing second edition, maybe even first edition Dungeons and Dragons. And in Alton, there's some bluffs in (laughs) these bluffs. There are some caves. We were playing a dungeon crawl inside one of these caves. They're all fenced up now. You can't get there anymore. But we were actually in the cave with a gas lamp sitting around a card table that we had carried in there. So the GM had the easiest time of immersion. He didn't have to describe the smells. He didn't have to describe what you hear. He didn't have to describe what stuff looked like. All he had to do was throw down the maps and we start playing. Now, that I'm going to say is the most immersed in a story that I've ever been as far as physically immersed. No props needed. We're in a cave. We're you just, in the dungeon.
5: You just had like Jeremiah Johnson as your your DM. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, aside from that, the most immersed that I get in my characters in other games are when there are active heated role-playing moments not necessarily between players between players not i was getting ready to say not necessarily between the gm or an npc and the player but between players when our characters have a disagreement and we're able to stand up at the table pound our fists on the table and make our arguments that's immersive when i can stop seeing brian as brian and see him as phytor the I <laughs> toward the fighter the fighter <laughs> then oh, baby. All Man, of originality a sudden, all over the place <laughs> all of a sudden we are completely immersed in these characters i've had several really good dms and gms that have walked me along that path and that's where i most of the stuff that i know how to do i've stolen from them or expounded upon it like we myself. steal from you yeah but just take it keep it up we takes the idea that's what we do <laughs> you borrow uh, so them that's and make them your own so that's right? mine i'm not i now CarpeGM.net does not condone the playing of Dungeons and Dragons in any unsafe cave and/or subterranean catacomb. Watch out for yeah, watch out for Engine Joe.
1: But we do encourage you to get more immersed into the game.
0: Now, when was your most immersive game, Steve? Uh, trying to think, let's see. I've never really
5: had a really uniquely immersive thing like oh, what you, thanks, you just described. <laughs> but
0: I mean. It, uh, uh,
5: that's he rare. wasn't in a cave. It's rare. that awkward. Yeah. I'll effort. take you to a cave. You want to go yeah. to a cave?
3: Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll find you a cave.
1: Yeah. You want me to make you a big dinner?
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll make you a dinner, a can- candlelit dinner in a cave. It'll I'll get get you be real immersed. It'll be Cheez Its. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> like Cheez Its on a plate. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Your favorite.
5: Start writing a story that involves Cheez Its on a plate. I think uh, the probably the most immersive uh, thing I can remember. Being at, uh, as a PC, still probably the whole uh, thing we did where we had a lich become uh, our defense attorney. With, with the lawyer <laughs> and yeah, all exactly. that. that. That was a great story. It, it was That's ba- unbelievable. If
0: if you want to hear more about no Steve's way. story, look at episode two, Villains, I believe.
5: We talk about that?
0: Yeah, we talked about it a lot. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay.
5: I think it was my favorite villain in oh, the yeah. campaign, yeah.
0: <laughs> so check out episode two. Mac, how about you?
3: I was once in a campaign uh, run by Brian here in which... At character generation, everyone was pulled into a side room and sorry individually with the GM and discussed what our epic storyline was going to be. Okay, every character was some big mover or shaker in this world. Who it was? A, it was a pirate campaign. We'd all ended up on the same ship, so a lot of it was how did you end up on this ship? Who are you? What is your and strategy? So every character had that individually. The GM knew about them all, so he could thread them through his several independent storylines. And then each of us was constantly trying to both figure out what the epic storyline of someone else was going to be, if it mattered. And
0: I was going to say, was it Proceed toward our own. Story pretty much lines. only the guy
3: who was trying to murder us all.
0: Oh, okay. So they, yeah. they were not combative storylines?
3: No. Okay.
1: So Jack the Ripper and you are on a boat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't you ever forget. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a good one. Uh, so the the fact that you knew about your storylines didn't break your immersion? No. Or did you know about your storylines up until the point of character creation?
3: Part of character creation was backstory. Right. That backstory ended up being our epic storyline. And did you go There wasn't. No, from that point? You, didn't okay. really, you didn't really okay. prescribe a direction. There, some of it was what your character's motivation is, which sort of telegraphs so it was an epic what outline. your goal is, obviously. Right. But a, some of us got there, some of us didn't. Plus, they interacted with each other to make them that much more complex. Okay, good one. Actually, Brian could probably tell you more about it.
2: I could.
0: Brian, what's yours? <laughs> what's your most immersive, situation, immersive, immersive, um, immersive
2: game? We were actually playing a short pickup game uh, that was just a couple people. Way to blow my preparation thing out of the water. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm here to tell you prep ain't nothing. <laughs> prep's dead, man. Prep is dead, man. This is all about old
5: stuff. the way school. of the future now. The prep's Come holding on. you back, man. <laughs> you gotta
2: Just you gotta play, man. Just play.
5: <laughs> Spill <laughs> some <laughs> dice, You're man. Spend more time out of the
3: game than you do in the
2: game. Don't
5: prep nothing, man.
2: Uh, anyway, it was a short pickup game where, like I said, there was really no preparation on the GM side, and I was playing, and uh, he had this short, outlined idea of, hey, you know, there's a town and it's in peril, and hey they man, need heroes. There's this town in peril, man. <laughs> hey man, hey, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I basically I felt like uh, it was one DM and two players. It was me and my friend Danny playing, and our friend Chubbs was DMing. So it was two people and a DM. And I feel like those campaigns can be so much fun because the player immersion is so in-depth because you, you only have two players. Right, like, you can pay more attention about to those everybody's storylines. Yeah, absolutely. I played this character that was uh, a halfling. He was like Frosty uh, <laughs> the halfling, and he was just like a little blonde halfling that was a bard, and he would like go around, and he didn't... Uh, He wasn't a bard of music or anything like that. He was a comedian. So he would tell jokes and quips and just. And instead of doing like the singing or playing the instrument during combat, he would like be like, your mother's a. You know, like during like fighting and stuff like that. So
0: this campaign is the complete antithesis of everything that we've talked about for instilling immersion on your players but right? it
2: became immersion upon itself <laughs> but so because, well
0: but because that was the way the game was playing the game was played and everyone at the table had the buy-in which i personally think is the biggest thing for immersion because everyone had the buy-in it turned out to be a fantastic immersive experience even though all of our piddly rules that we'd laid out have been broken by this thing <laughs> i'm sorry about that other than player buy-in Um, So I think that's what we come to is if everyone at the table is down for the game and ready to play from the time they start they sit down and start rolling dice. You sacrifice
1: the rules. You sacrifice the rules. You
0: sacrifice the preparation. You 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 kill your precious babies and NPCs if the PCs don't want to talk to them. You do whatever you've got to do to willfully suspend the disbelief of your players.
4: You can also put the NPCs in a um, storage closet for later.
0: Yeah, that's my mo.
1: All right, Tyler. What's your story? What's your player immersion experience?
0: Uh, Are you ready, Tyler? The most
1: unforgettable
0: in your two games that you've played. Can your brain you know take what? it? <laughs> I have a vast. Um, Do you have an immersive things. game store? An, an immersive store? Oh, absolutely. For okay.
4: I mean, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Because I, uh, it's easy to get me to buy in. You know, I'm. <laughs> I don't need someone to. It's not like pulling teeth, getting me to sit down and like pay
0: attention and like. You seem pretty malleable to me. And and I, I feel like, regardless of what what a GM would tell you to do, you would at least give it a shot. Yeah. And I think that's because you're a fish you're, salesman. That's fine. I think he, I think he's down. You want to be the fish salesman? Make fish, the game. Sure. Fish, manga. <laughs> fish manga. Tyler's playing a fishmonger who is a trying to raise money for an orphanage. That's fine.
5: There you go. Maybe the reason make for the all of this is
4: he's because out of I've never met a, flying a GM that I don't trust. Okay, Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs>
0: How about that's that? That's a really good one. I I think that's a big part of player buying is being able to. Trust the GM, or you know, whatever terminology yeah, is used I mean, for the game host in the game that you're playing. My most
4: immersive game story was playing a dwarven cleric. And he, was, he you know, he had, he, surprisingly, I don't know how, he had the highest charisma score in the entire party. <laughs> Unless you were drinking, Whoa. he had the lowest charisma score in the party. The problem with dwarven clerics is that they like their mead.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: Carpe Game Gamecast would like to apologize to any dwarven clerics who absolutely do not
4: like mead. Yeah, they're they're uh, not real dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> who, who doesn't like mead? Yeah. Get out of here! <laughs> so it was it was just I I was a dwarven I was a cleric and I felt like I was the mightiest person in the game. I wasn't necessarily putting up the biggest numbers, but I but my impact was definitely felt.
0: Now you felt that way? Did your character that you were portraying also feel as if he were the most powerful player most powerful member of the party absolutely was he the most powerful member of the party no that's fantastic that is great that's a great situation right there gets my roman's thumb up when you have uh when you have a pc who's completely disillusioned into thinking they are stronger than what they are it, oh, it's, really, it, it, it really, really was creates great. a great <laughs> dynamic but for interplayer. We had this like exchanges. ridiculously
2: overpowered character in our
0: in our group too, and he was like,
2: I am a praxis the most powerful character.
0: I thought you were gonna say he's this ridiculously overpowered character who was completely afraid of a shadow and scared to death. <laughs> See, that would
2: be awesome
4: too. Yeah, that'd be even better. But it was
0: just so gossip, awesome because it was literally like he was this
2: dwarf was like the the conscious of the party the conscience of the party and it was really well well played. The no. dwarf was the conscience of the He was. was. I was the most
4: charismatic. I was the only lawful good one. Everyone else was a bunch of neutral, like, I say we kill him. I'm like, well, wait, no, 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 don't, let's, not, let's not do that yet. And it was just, you know, it was really fun. I felt like I was making the decisions from my character's perspective and not just from my own personal conscious and moral fiber. That guy's got
0: loot. Congratulations, Tyler. You have been immersed. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you guys so much for your personal stories and tales about uh, being immersed in the oh, story wonderful. because we know, we know. <laughs> it makes the game so much more exciting to know that other people get involved in this at this level. It,
0: a lot of people take it too seriously.
3: I have a friend who I'm uh, probably one of
0: those people actually. don't hate. Donate.
3: I, I have a friend who every D character he's ever played has been the next in a generation of a line of dwarves, <laughs> all of whom are complete drunks. And guess how he role plays them? He gets hammered.
0: Oh, that's that's great. That's <laughs> cool. It, it's cool. It's
2: cool. At least you're not another one of my friends whose character is exactly the same character every time. And his first character started off as Fatty Fatty Ding Dongs. Then his brother Fatty Fatty Ding Dangs came, and then Fatty Fatty Dring Drangs came, and they're all like the same Drow Ranger, <laughs> like,
0: like that, like. And they had uh, two scimitars. No. And, yes. Seriously. Uh, you gotta be kidding me. Nope. I'm not <laughs> all right folks well with that I think we're gonna close out this topic um, I if you the listener has any suggestions or any disagreements with anything that we've said feel free to send us uh, a message on the forums
2: or disagreement with all we said <laughs> uh, yep yeah,
0: absolutely uh, send us a message on the forums send us uh, send us an email you can listen to the blurb at the end of the podcast here and I'll tell you where to go
1: well, I'd like to thank you guys for including me tonight. I really Kate, can... thanks
0: for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, Thanks for joining us once again. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan, Tyler, Brian, Mac, and Steve. And don't forget support the hobby, support your industry, support your local game store.
5: Support Joss, Joss Whedon by seeing the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs>
3: the Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at carpe underscore gm. Thanks for listening.
0: Next time on the Carpegm Gamecast. Alright, I got it. It was Mac in the kitchen mano, mano. with the Arby's. No way, dude. Mano, mano. No way. I, I, I just... Yeah, it, it was. All right. <laughs> no, no, no.
4: It was uh, mano, mano. Dan in the bathroom with the uh, Jack in the Box. Oh, yeah. I don't think so.
3: Alright, moment of truth. Who's going to sniff the bowl?
5: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no I'm never playing toilet glue <laughs> <cool> again. <laughs>